Hey folks, I'm here today to tell you about Visible. Something unfortunate about wireless services, what you see isn't always what you get. But with Visible, what you see is what you get. No perception check required. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month, taxes and fees included. If you're looking for a carrier that is upfront with no hidden fees, then go to Visible.com to make the switch. You don't need more than one line of wireless to save, and you're going to be getting unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Visible is the wireless carrier that's constantly operating from a zone of truth. In their quest for total transparency, Visible wants you to know the monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. All right, go ahead and roll for Perception. I got a 13. Hey, that's pretty good. With that, you can tell there's some fantasy situations going on. You hear some adult language. And with that, you can tell this podcast probably isn't for kids. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Dungeon Cast. I'm Will. And I'm Brian. This is the podcast where we talk about everything Dungeons and Dragons from naughty ninjas to nasty nagas. And today, we're taking a tour through the nine hells. All right, Brian. So there are nine of them. There are nine of them. Dear God, there are nine of them. They're all their own separate kind of hell. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Very much so. So, so I want to start this one off by saying we've talked about this kind of. Kind of, yeah. We had a but only kind of. Yeah, we talked. We had an episode talking about the devils and devil kind and who and what they are and what they do and why and all that stuff. Yeah. But now we're going to talk about their home plane of existence, the okay. Nine Hells, so, um, also known as Beator. And I'm probably going to call it Beator from, for the rest of the episode. The whole place is called... So instead of calling it the Nine Hells, people call it Beator? Yes. So yes. like they that kind of eliminates this like nine layers thing when you call um, it Beator. Well, it's called the Nine Hells because there are nine individual planes of existence that are tied oh. together. Okay, so they're, they're like the Olympic rings. What? <laughs> you know how the Olympic rings are all like a oh, bunch of different rings, okay. but they're all like connected? I, I guess. Um, okay. So the configuration and position of Beator and its nine realms in relation to each other and in relation to other planes of existence is up for debate depending on your campaign setting and your edition. Right. But generally speaking. In classic. Yeah. In classic. It, not even in classic, but generally speaking across all editions, like uh, the nine hells are nine individual places that are connected to each other, but independent of each other at the same time. Yeah. Um, it's very often depicted the only way to get to the bottom layer of the Nine Hells, you have to go through the top eight first. So you can't right. just pop in to... Um, number seven. Yeah, which off the top of my head, I think number seven is Maladomini. 
You okay. can't just pop into Maladomini. You got to go through Malbolge and Stygia and Phlegethos and all those other ones first. You have lost me. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to lose you very often. So is that like the elemental planes? Because are they similar? No, no. The elemental planes are like four congruent planes that like touch each other on their edges. Okay. Um, and then they so, come together and are kind of combined in the elemental chaos. So my daughter has these little cups that you so. stack inside of each other. Mm-hmm. And there's like there's eight of them, so okay, like that. So like they get smaller as they go. You know I what I mean? Understand what yeah, you're okay. talking about. So uh, the depiction of the nine hells varies from edition to edition. In fourth edition, it was shown as like a big planetoid, and like there were just like inner caverns, and each cavern was a different layer of hell. I don't sure. really like this uh, rendition. And some they're just infinite planes that are like have portals to each other, right. kind of like yeah. the abyss, like like Super Mario. Yeah, kind of. Uh, and in other editions, it's they're shown as like flat discs that are literally like hover above each other. Okay, see that? Uh, I think in Dante's Inferno, they're literal like rings. Like they're mm-hmm. called the rings of hell. I think. And now, is it Dante's Inferno or is it called the Divine Comedy? It's both. It's, okay. it's Dante's Inferno, the Divine Comedy. Oh, I see. Okay, I, I see. think. Shit, it's been. I, it's I been thought a it while. was called the Divine Comedy. I don't want to say I read it in high school because I read it after high school. I read it in college, but right. like even that was a little yeah. bit ago what basically the the last one was like the mouth of satan or whatever okay and that was like the last that was I'm the ninth not, one or whatever i'm not intimately familiar with dante's inferno apparently neither am i <laughs> <laughs> but i'm sure you will see as we keep talking about these things i'm sure there's parallels that you'll recognize that i don't but we'll get into it yeah like then one there there's uh like a bunch of snakes that bite people and turn them into snakes there's nothing like that okay okay cool. so um, this is the lawful evil plane of existence where devils live and there are lawful evil uh, entities. Right. Because um, demons are chaotic evil, right? Demons are chaotic evil. And so these are the, like their lawful evil counterparts, yes. more or less. And there are other negative planes of existence. Uh, Acheron and Gehenna are two others. And they are the two that supposedly border the nine hells. Okay. Excuse me. So, okay. there are, The nine hells are made up of nine unique layers. Each with a deity-ish level entity called the Archduke in charge of the entire lair. Right. Um, they are the nine most powerful beings in all of Beator with Asmodeus as the king of it all. He's the king right. of hell. He's the the ruler of the nine. Um, and he lives in the deepest, darkest pit. Yeah, he lives in Nessus, the deepest lair. Uh, you must pass through all the layers to get to him. Uh, though it is a plane of evil, cruelty, and torture, it is also a place of rigid order and hierarchy. Right. Um, law is everything here. A lot of law, a lot of bureaucracy, um, a lot of uh, promotions and demotions, as we've talked about in the mm-hmm. Devil's episode. It's very corporate. Um, that being said, it is still an incredibly abyss-like environment uh, that's completely inhospitable, inhospitable and dreadful. Um Devils make up like 99% of the population, obviously, but mortals can live in some of these layers. It's not entirely clear. Well, it is it is kind of spelled out in specific layers, but generally speaking, non-devil kind, uh, especially mortals, are completely not welcome without a letter of safe passage. Right. A um, contract. A contract. And the letters of safe passage, for instance, um, uh, Mammon can give safe passage through his layer specifically. Oh, that's okay. So I just drew a... Uh the son of Satan or whatever, Maman yeah. from the, Constantine. The names of all the archdevils are going to be stuff that you're going to recognize because a lot of them are just multiple names for for Satan or for other oh, like nice. okay. Christian devil stuff. There's a bunch of different Satans. Yeah, basically. Okay. Uh, but 
he can't um, allow he can't sign a writ of passage through the layer of dis where dispater he rules that layer. Okay. So like to get to him, you'd have to get uh, letters of safe passage from the other two. Oh from Bell and Despater first. I'm already like sick of the bureaucracy. Yeah. Uh, except for Asmodeus, of course, if you have a writ from him, you're good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're good. The the CEO. Um, so that being said, any general questions about Beator before we just dive into the first layer? I'll, I'm ready to I'm ready to jump off this diving board. Okay. So we're we're gonna dive into the first pool layer. Of hot, nasty fire. I, I guess uh the first layer is my favorite layer. Um, I, if you can have a favorite layer, it's definitely, if I had to choose a layer to live on, it'd be number one. Okay, sure. Uh, Avernus. Uh, it is a charred and desolate wasteland of ash and fire. The sky glows red and is smoky and, it, you know, chokes, choke. it's so choking Constant, to breathe. Constantine again. Yeah. Where he goes to hell. Fireballs fall at random here. Oh, uh, there's rivers fine. of magma that flow from volcanoes. Oh. Um, this is the layer of entrance for pretty much all outsiders. Um, the lobby. Are, yeah, there are huge legions of devils that patrol these lands. Okay. Because front desk during the blood war, this is where demons show up. Like this is oh, like this is they front, come a knocking. This is the this is the western front. Yeah, because they have to come through here. Yeah, to exactly. Get to the neck to get right. anywhere else. There's a completely different eastern front where the abyss is. Like, mm-hmm. but for we're we're not talking about that. We're talking about the hell. So this is where if there's fighting between devils and demons, it's happening here on Avernus. Okay. Um, and as a matter of fact, so many countless battles of the blood war have like happened here that much of the land is littered with blood viscera and bone just mm. from eons of constant war Viscera is my favorite one yeah uh there is a river called the river Styx that flows here it, oh, cool. as a matter of fact it flows through all nine layers and until it reaches nessus where it falls off into oblivion is there a boatman no you don't pay a boatman. i mean you can i imagine but there isn't like a boatman there's there's a um, boatman but he's just posing as a boatman and he's just taking your money yeah but, but yeah basically okay. <laughs> uh the river it flows red with blood it's capable of man. robbing you of your memory and identity if you so much as like dip your hand into it what let alone fall fuck? into it yeah it's completely deadly okay. um yeah Great. it is a major transit way though through the nine hills it's not the only way but it is like it's like the main highway because it will run through all all nine layers what a way to lose a place yeah yeah what a hell of a way you don't know who you are anymore i touched the thing yeah oh no 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 oh god (laughs) um so let's talk about major locations in avernus um dragon spawn pits hey it's team we talked about her go watch that episode if you want to know more yeah Uh, well no i'll tell you a little bit it is another main i mean you said it all dragon spawn pits yeah so dragon spawn this is where tiamat lives um she used to be the Archduke of this layer. She is no longer, but she's the guardian of the gateway between Avernus and the next layer of Dis, which is in her dragon spawn pits. Um, if you want to know more... Already at Tiamat. Yeah. Man, that's like so nasty. Yeah. So if you want to know more, go ahead and watch the Tiamat yeah, episode. It's a good one. Um, there is a fortress called the Bronze Citadel. It's the seat of Bell, who is the Archduke here, of his power and his armies. That's cool. Um, there is a cool name. Yeah. There's an area called the Maggot Pit, which is a thousand foot wide pit of mm. magical infernal larvae. I mean, this is so, a less good name. Okay. So like each layer has like an area where souls are getting transformed into devils. Remember, we talked about how. Mortal souls get tortured and mangled till they lose their identity and turned into lemurs. Yeah. This is where that happens. And, not uh, Demirs. Not Demirs. Lemurs. Lemurs. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, but here at the Maggot Pit is where they do it in Avernus. And they're like these larvae looking things. It's really gross. Um, Doing it in Avernus. Yeah. There is uh, the City of Darkspine, which is, it used to be a mortal city. 
but it kind of was like in an area that was like on the edge of reality. It was a fucking giant landslide. It ended up getting sucked into Avernus. Oh my God. And all the people with it. So there are some mortals that live here and it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, okay, do you like live, like, what timeline would that be then? Like, I'm giving you, it's what I'm giving you today is basically an amalgamation of lore from all kinds of different bits. It's like, basically what I, what I did was I read through Planescape, I read through Forgotten Realms, I read through Greyhawk Wikipedia, I read through the Fiend Folio of 3.5, I read through the Manual of the Planes in 4th edition. Okay. And then I also just Googled specific questions I had. And all the most common answers from the, all these sources are what I put in here. Okay. There are variations to a lot of the stuff I'm talking about, but this is like the general, I'm trying to give you the most vanilla version yeah, of the Nine House. While also getting like a complete picture. Yeah, exactly. So in one of these lores, a city slipped in here. Exactly. And, okay, so this might necessarily, this is like... If you were to like send players through yeah. here on on whatever timeline you decide, yeah. You know. The reason, okay, so like the reason I've included Darkspine as a major location is because it at, was included in at least three of the five sources that I used. Okay, so there it is. Cool, because I picture like you know depending on when you go, there won't be anybody there. Yeah, <laughs> you know, exactly. Yeah, like yeah. A, the timeline's up to you. Yeah, and that's another thing is like specifically in the Fiend Folio of three point five, it was very. It was it, it made a point of talking about like at this point in the lore of D&D, because I think at that point they were still going with like like because the original um, classic D&D is set in Greyhawk. Right. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I think what they were going for is like, well, this is all part of the same storyline as all the way back from original D&D all the way up till now. So like now in 3.5, the timeline has come to this point. Right. Okay. So, so when 3.5 came out, that's when it happened. So by the yeah. time we're in 5e, it's probably they're probably all dead. But they've they've abandoned this because in 4th edition it it moves from Greyhawk to its own original mm-hmm. um D&D setting. And right. now we've moved to Forgotten Realms as the default. So like it the timeline doesn't matter. Yeah. It's, so it but it it's available. It is available. Okay. okay let's move on. Yeah. So those are some uh, general locations of Avernus. Um, let's talk about the Archduke. So, Bell. He's the Archduke of Avernus. He's the only Archduke that is not a unique entity. Uh, he's actually just a really powerful pit fiend, oh. which is like the highest level a devil right. can get without turning to like dukedom. Mm-hmm. He he used to be the main general of Tiamat when she was the Archduchess, uh, but he actually betrayed her because she was shitty at her job to gain his position. He was chosen by Asmodeus himself because of his immense loyalty to Asmo and his military genius. This dude is a general and a half. He's also an aspiration to other devils because he's the only Archduke that started as a Lemur and came moved his way all the way up through the ranks, and now he's an Archduke. He's the only one. Everyone else was either an Archduke before the Nine Hells even existed or was another powerful entity that became an Archduke. Yeah, hired, like hired externally. Exactly. This right. dude was promoted from within. Nice. So, yeah. He's, That's that good shit. Yeah. So uh, he has a pretty good relationship with all the other Archdukes because he is known to stay completely out of the politics. The, the deal is this. You command the armies and you're going to have all this power. You have your layer of hell um, and you can continue being an awesome general as long as you stay out of all the politics of the other eight. And so that's generally nice. what he does. He has the most secure position because of this. Um, 
because none of the other seven have a problem with him, and he has a very great relationship with Asmodeus himself, so he's good. Right on. Um, Solid. You'll good find way to get set up. You'll find that this gets a little more tumultuous as we keep going. He's known to be cool, calculating. Um, he he's all about business. He is served by eight pit fiend generals that they call the Dark Eight. Uh, so he, he kind of has he's kind of modeled his lair after the way Asmo has modeled the entire nine. He's a company man. Yeah, definitely. He's a company man and a half. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't talk I don't do gossip, yeah. workplace drama. That's yep. not for me. Yep. I'm here to do my I clock in, I yep. get to it, I clock Indeed. out. I never clock out. <laughs> That's it. I clocked That's in, it. I never clock out. Um fun thing about the Dark Eight is that there is this propaganda ongoing that the Dark Eight are these immortal pit fiends that never lose battles. But the reality is uh the the Dark Eight, the pit fiends that make up this uh conglomerate, they um they do die from time to time in, in these wars. Sure. But what they do is they'll get a pit fiend. They'll transform them to look like the, the pit fiend that died. And then they'll pass them off as the pit fiend. And this is like a morality booster. Like, look at yeah. our leaders that never die. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they do, but don't tell anybody. Yeah, exactly. All right. But that's it for layer number one. You ready to move on? I'm ready. All right. Second layer. We're, I'm picturing us in a golf cart. And you're yeah. like giving <laughs> me a corporate tour. Well, this is a Vernus on your right. If you look on your left, there's the maggot pit. Yeah. Look at these <laughs> like rivers of lava. Real good. They've been here for thousands of years. <laughs> okay. Second layer. The second layer of Beator is... Is a uh, plane called the it's the layer called Dis. Okay. Um, it is a plane made up of essentially one entire city made of iron. Okay. Um, the city of Dis. It is an infinite city with tall iron buildings and is a maze of iron ramparts, ramshackle alleys, and paradoxal designs. The city is kind of always changing. It's always under construction. Ooh, that's and so cool. it's impossible to map. That's really cool. Uh, it's also the iron emits an unbearable heat and glows red. Ooh, nice. <laughs> it's like the super anti-Faye layer. Yeah, very, very much so. Yeah, God, man. Faye would just instantly evaporate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is more friendly to outer planar entities than probably any other layer. Um, it attracts people here to do trade and stuff and then kind of traps them here. This place is a little weird. We'll get into it. Okay. okay. So some major locations of the Iron City of Dis is the Iron Tower itself. It's a city, citadel of Dispater. He's the Archduke here. It's an iron palace that changes with Dispater's will. So it never looks the same. Okay. And it lies at the center of the city. But because of the weird spatial magic going on here, no matter what direction you look in, the tower is always in your um, in your vision. Like, let's say you're on top of a building and you're you're looking to the west, you can see the tower. If you look to the east, you can see the tower. Like, it's always like only a couple blocks away and always in your sight. That's weird. So if I turn completely around from it, it's still in my vision somewhere. Yeah, something like that. There's a big ass mirror on the other yeah. side of this plane, <laughs> and you're gonna see its reflection and, in it. And here's the thing: it's always a couple blocks away, and if you try and get to it, it will always remain a couple blocks away. Sure. It's just weird paradoxal stuff going okay, on. Okay. Here. I mean, I uh, really like it. Dispater likes it this way. I really like the idea of um a party, your party goes into this lair and they it's this one way. They leave, they come back. Like maybe they go in and they have to come back out of the nine hills, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe it's that kind of deal. Yeah. And the second time they come here, it's just fucking completely different than the first time they came because oh, it's yeah. always changing. Yeah, yeah. It's so cool. That's a really I'm picturing that art. Uh is it a Picasso? It's from that era, a Freudian kind of era, where like there's all those stairs and they, they lead to like different like stairs somewhere else. Like uh I picturing Bugs Bunny like walking down a staircase at the bottom of the frame and then like 
he comes out of a staircase that's like upside down at the top of the frame and then he walks through like <laughs> a hallway quite, and he comes out of the middle of the frame somewhere. It's not quite on that level, but okay. I, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. That's more of a faith thing. Oh, okay. Um, but but there are there are some small similarities here. Okay, so there is a great prison here in the city called Mentiri. Now, this is a place, this is a fucked up place. This is a place where they imprison mortals that are not of an evil alignment. Um, and they also in this, they, so this, okay. Mentiri has two separate wings, if you will. One wing is for mortals that are of not of evil alignment. The other is for souls that have been captured that are not of an evil alignment. Okay. They do different things here. So they like to attract people here, including like paladins of good, um, and trap them here. And what they do is they put them in this prison because they can't, if they kill them, they can't claim the soul. Because the soul it's has to be evil. wicked. If right. the soul is wicked, they can turn it into a Lemur. But they can't turn these not wicked people into Lemur. So what they do... Make them they, watch training videos. No. They <laughs> put all these people in an environment where... And they limit the resources. So they kind of create this environment that corrupts people. Yeah. And once a person is corrupted enough, they kill them. Right. And they, and then claim they can the capture the soul. So it's their version of corporate training videos. Pretty much. Okay. And... Um, for those souls that don't get corrupted, they keep those souls corralled in a different section of the prison uh, for trading and for for other things. So the holes just ransom to good gods and stuff. That's like that. cool. Yeah. So literally that, like Dark Souls, where you like your currency is souls. Oh, I don't know. I've never played Dark Souls. I think I think I'm sorry if I fucked that up. Yeah. Anyway, they have a, another thing. Again, this is why this place likes to attract mortals called the Garden of Delights. Now, this is an illusory pleasure palace designed to corrupt souls and Okay, so basically, if you arrive at the Gardens of Delight, you'll be, like, swooned in by beautiful people. They'll feed yeah. you great food. They'll do all this stuff. Um, and they will try and entice you into very sinful acts and debauchery and all this other craziness. Yeah. Until you're corrupted enough and you starve to death because all the food you're eating is illusory. Oh, cool. And then your soul's corrupted. You're a Lemur now. So pretty quick, they're going to have to get you on, like... They're gonna like make you like they, you come in with your friend. They yeah. feed you a bunch of food, and then like, hey, could you could you kill that guy you came in with real quick? Here's a knife. Right. Well, I mean, I think it was a little slower than that. Like they they work their way up to it. Yeah. But well, um, I mean, like over days. Yeah. And like, yeah. Hey, exactly. Kill your friend. Exactly. So they have when they, when they bring people in, they have like a cold reader kind of person there who kind of like can figure out like, all right, these people are corruptible. These three, they're not corrupt. They're just good people. Oh, they're popping so divine let's sense. Just, Let's just either kill them or t take them to Mentiri where mm. we'll imprison them. So, yeah, that's that's the general gist of gotcha. the, the layer of diss. OK, um, they're not um, they're not talking about how whack your clothes are or like the right. way you talk there. It's, it's not that. No. Oh, damn. <laughs> damn it, dude. OK, let's talk about the Archduke of the second layer of hell, Despater. He is also known as the Father of Strife. He's one of the oldest Archdukes. Father of Strife. Father of Strife. Each of these, each of these uh, Archdukes kind of has a title. Yeah, he, totally. He's the Father of Strife. He's one of the oldest of the Archdukes. Uh, as a matter of fact, he's one of the three like OG Archdukes that like have been around since before Hell. Sure. Uh, him, Mephistopheles, and of course Asmodeus. They're part of the first 150 Pokemon. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. They're Gen One. Totally. Um, so uh, he, because of this, he's known to be the most cautious, and he's also the most political savvy. He's like always polite. 
He's never he he's not what's the word um, committal to anything he says. Like he says a lot of non-committal stuff, so he can't yeah he, he can't, doesn't have to take responsibility for anything that right, happens. Right. Uh, he tries to be kind of friends to all the other archdukes, but he doesn't. That's not he's not really successful in that because he can't be friends with everybody here because there's yeah, too he, much political maneuvering. You see through that shit. Yeah, he looks uh, essentially like a handsome seven and a half foot tall human with small uh, like horns on his head and cloven hooves. Okay, okay. Um, you'll I, find yeah. that a lot of the Archdukes look very humanoid, um, you know, very archetypal, handsome yet monstrous human man or woman. Gotcha. Um, this is a major economical center, center of the nine because of the plethora of souls coming in. He's nice to mortals or seemingly nice to mortals, so he has more souls coming in. And souls are a major... Um, uh, like Bitcoin. They're like Bitcoin, I guess. They're they're uh, <laughs> what's the word I'm looking for when the name of money? They're they're currency. currency. Yeah, souls are a currency here, and um, Bitcoin of this. Right. I think Despater is one of the richest, probably. Okay, and he uses that. Uh, there's other archdukes that are yeah, indebted like, to him. He's got like a an area dedicated for keeping souls. Sure, he um he has other archdukes indebted to him and we're going to talk about that later when we get to to those archdukes one last thing i want to say before we take a short rest dis is known to never or dispater is known to never leave his iron tower uh except for in one circumstance because he can't be killed here and he's paranoid about dying. Oh, right on um the one time he leaves is when he's demanded to by asmodeus for a meeting of the archdukes which happens every couple centuries okay With that being said let's take a short rest let's do it Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify is great. They're taking businesses of all sizes, cradling them in their arms, to help them grow by giving them the tools they need. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success at every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dungeoncast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dungeoncast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dungeoncast. Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the role of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is now what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? 
Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts. Hey everybody, welcome to the part of the episode where we stopped talking about the last thing we were talking about. We're talking about how much we love you guys. If you're hearing the sound of my voice, thank you so much for listening to the show. We really appreciate you a whole lot. <laughs> indeed, we do. Yeah, we really do. Indeed, indeed. So um, if you guys want to support us, uh, please tell somebody about the show. Um, however you want to go about that is up to you. I'm going to give you some options anyway, though. You can tell them about soundcloud.com slash the dungeon cast. You can tell them about our YouTube channel that you can just search the dungeon cast. Thanks to Josh Freeland and find us. Um, you can find us on Twitter and tweet about us or see the things that will is tweeting out mm-hmm. at the dungeon cast. You can email us, uh, email us the G uh, the dungeon cast at gmail.com. <laughs> Uh, our Patreon is uh, patreon.com slash the dungeon cast. Thank you to all our patrons. If you came in uh, to Patreon um, since the previous episode, uh, we're going to catch you on the next one and give you a shout out. I did want to mention that um, anybody who gets into Patreon is getting a shout out on the show. Uh, we're going to do better about like emailing people to let them know. I don't think everyone is aware of that. Um, yeah. So we, yeah, we want to respect your privacy. If you don't want to be shouted out on the show, um, we want to know so that we don't do that. Yeah. Or if you want something specific shouted out on the show, like um, like we're not like a message or anything, just like, a, hey, we're going to shout out. I want what you shout name? Out, yeah. Like shout out my Twitter handle or shout out my name or shout out like, you know, typically we go with whatever you signed up to Patreon with, like your username on Patreon is what we're going to shout you out as. Um, that's all we have to go by. But uh, yeah, we're going to reach out to you guys if you come in like, hey, you're getting a shout out. Is there anything in particular you want? Uh, we just want to make that clear because we don't want to disrespect anybody's privacy or anything like that. But um, I think, oh, there will be an upcoming contest, not on this episode, maybe in a couple episodes from now. We'll start talking about that a little more. Yeah. Next episode, I will announce what it is. Oh, man. So exciting. Um, typically, if you like tweet a link to the show or uh, leave us an iTunes review, that that gets you entered into these contests that we run but if you guys want to do that anyway that's really awesome and we appreciate it especially like the itunes review in particular i love seeing those reviews and most of you guys are really really nice about what you have to say um youtube comments and stuff really cool um like subscribe blah 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 you guys know the drill every youtube channel says that so um yeah but thank you guys very much once again for listening to the show and participating we love you guys we love all of you um thank you so much and uh, we should go back to the show. We should go back. We have a lot to talk about. Let's go back to the show. Yeah. Hell number three. Indeed. We made it to the third layer, Brian. Oh, man. So let's talk about it. Still alive. Still alive. The third layer of Beator is known as the layer of Mineros or Minoros. It's like, like Minotaurs. A, like, like Minotaur almost like. Oh, is it like that Greek, the Greek story where it's like the layer of the Minotaur? It's like a big fucking maze or whatever. No. No, no, no. But I mean, that's a that's a good guess. All I can do is take shots in the dark. Will. Yeah, I know. I need you here to tell me. (laughs) So Minoros is an endless bog of vile pollution and decaying bodies and rotting marsh. It's really gross. That's spooky. It is relentlessly drenched by acid rain. Uh, The water here is disease ridden. Um, There are also these uh, pits in the bog filled with water, of course, that have 
brass chains and shackles like uh secured to like stones underneath the marsh and they lock mortals up here like not to drown but to just to smell it to die of exposure so like they're okay. called cells these things are called cells and um they'll basically they'll be shackled to like shallow maybe thigh high water and just okay. left out there to rot damn nasty you're gonna get pruning real quick and all that nasty and goop. Then, yeah and then they'll go collect the souls oh man um gross dude yeah oh. th this marsh is actually so nasty that there are mysterious things that live out here that even devils don't fuck with that thing from star wars when yes they're trapped that in the thing the trash star compactor, wars the trash compactor. Yeah, yeah that's has definitely a name. there it has a name and i can't remember what it is shit i don't know yeah but it's not the rancor that's no something else. that's another thing that's yeah. probably there too it's one that swims anyway yeah, sure <laughs> so yeah so that's the general gist of like the environment of mineros um let's talk about major locations so the city of mineros uh known as the sinking city it is an enormous city of blackstone built by Mammon, who's the um, the archduke here. It is a, it is continuously sinking into the bog, so much so that like black ooze rises between the paving stones of the streets. Oh, cool! And the entire streets seem to buckle and shift, and it's just like this sinking monstrosity <laughs> in the swamp <laughs> that's only kept afloat through like the constant work of slaves. That Mammon just keeps them keeping the city afloat. It's like those scenes where in cartoons where you have to like build the railroad as you are like on the train uh -huh. to keep it from like derailing. Yeah, okay. yeah, it's a similar thing. Yeah. Um, and in the middle of the city is Mammon's golden palace, which leans haphazardly because of the constant sinking. <laughs> um, like I said, only in the endless work of countless slaves keep there the are, city standing. There are people and like it's it's view like like far away from it that are like taking pictures, holding it up and shit. Yeah, <laughs> um, that's hilarious. <laughs> um, so Mammon has the um, command of an immense number of chain devils. I think we talked about them in the Devils episode. They they're like yeah, they really, literally have these big old chains. Yeah, right? okay. They're all about chains. They're they're like jailers and torturers. They're like all about them chains. They are the bulk of the devil forces that are doing the torturing of souls into Lemurs. Mm. Um, and they have a city here called the Jangling Hitter. It's a city that is literally <laughs> held up by massive chains. Oh my that god! Just go up into the sky. That sounds like a name of a, like a, a dive bar, like that your D and D party Welcome walks to the into. Jangling Hitter. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, well this. That's the name of the city. And uh, it's uh, populated mostly by chain devils that gather here with an immense number of souls. And this is, remember, I told you each layer kind of has their, this is where we turn souls into devils. Yeah. This, yeah. It's here at the jangling hit. At this bar, you don't need a bartender yeah. because you can just um, like get some soup in a cup from down below and drink that. Right. Get wasted. Um, I believe Mammon also has a, he has a huge number of souls and I believe he has some other archdukes indebted to him too. Okay. We'll, we'll cool. get into that. There is also a, um, a huge fortress called the Labyrinth of Truths. Um, it is a massive stone fortress where Mammon keeps countless documents, and he has a whole bureaucratic team keeping these things secret, safe, and uh, organized. Maybe and that's why that infrastructure of the rest of this place is going to shit, because this sounds like they're dumping all their resources <laughs> into this spot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, from meticulous like accountings of diabolical promotions and demotions like across the Nine Hells oh my gosh. to like huge collections of dungeon and treasure maps. So like, that would imply that this demon lord or devil, sorry, I said the wrong yeah, thing. Yeah. This devil archduke, has, yeah. this archduke has uh, spies across the Nine Hells. A lot of them do. And yes, he definitely does. Him, all of them, but Bell probably do. And okay. even Bell probably does too. <laughs> <laughs> but Bell probably significantly less. If anything, it's just to keep an eye on, make sure no one's going to stab him in the back while he's busy. He's just got spies to keep eyes on spies. Basically. <laughs> okay. There we go. Um, 
So yeah, those are three major locations here in Mineros. Let's talk about the Archduke Mammon. The Archduke of Mineros is also known as the King of Greed. He's like a giant serpent with like a humanoid uh, body. Okay. Covered in spines. Um, giant serpent with a humanoid body. He's kind of like a Gorgon. Okay. Yeah, you know, yeah. like Medusa where she like giant snake body, but humanoid torso. Oh, okay. So a centaur. Kind of, yeah, I guess. <laughs> a, a, a snake serpentar. Snake tar. Yeah. Oh, okay, we went two different places yeah. with that. Okay. Let's continue. In any way. We can't have the long centaur he, talk like we did a couple episodes no. ago. No. He's noted as one of the least trustworthy of the Archdukes um, because of his duplicity. Okay. He basically will like smile in your face and talk shit behind your back. Um, he's also known for shameless fawning over Asmodeus. He he's one of the few Archdukes that Asmodeus has wrapped around his finger. Nice. Okay. Um some so, Harvey Dent vibe going on there. Sure. He's incredibly greedy and lustful, as his title would imply. And the only reason he is still in power is because of his favor with Asmodeus and his incredibly shitty location that's really hard to, like, uh, invade. Okay. Hard for other Archdukes to take over when you have a giant fucking swamp in your way. Yeah. So, and you can't even, like, walk down the street without sliding. Yeah. So any questions about Memon, about Mineros, about the swamp? No? It's gross. All right. Moving on. The whole on. thing is gross. Moving on to uh, a much more... Um, cliche layer going to the fourth layer of Beator, Phlegethos. It is a fiery wasteland with active volcanoes, gouting fires, and burning sand. Uh, the sky oh, here my is my favorite kind of sand. <laughs> I know. The sky here is a starless black void and it rains fire here. <laughs> um so major locations in Phlegethos. Every fireball fire uh every fireball spell that misses actually just like teleports to this place and just like sure. One of the things about the fire in this place, it is it is actively malicious, and because uh, devils are immune to fire, if there's something here that isn't a devil and immune to fire, fire will be attracted to that entity. Okay, to burn them. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? So um, they have a huge magma lake called the Lake of Fire here. It's an enormous lake of burning pitch and refuse with like gouting geysers of fire and whatnot, and it is. Okay, so it's got two uses. The number one use, it is actually used to punish and torture disobedient devils because despite their immunity to fire, this fire specifically burns those with immunity to fire worse. It is still very hot. Yeah, it's still very hot. <laughs> so uh, what they'll do is they'll like get the disobedient devil into like a cage and hang it over a gout of fire and leave them there for a few years. Ooh, a few yeah. years. Nice. Yeah. So Good. there that is. Um, there are all, there's also this weird cultural thing where like, Devils to kind of show how tough they are will like get into a cage and they'll like bribe the guards of the lake of fire to like take them out after a certain amount of time. But there, there's a double edged sword here is other devils can bribe those same guards to leave them in there for a couple more years. Okay, so, I thought you were gonna be like, so to show their strength, they gotta go down there and like, I dare you to drink some. No, no, they just say, put me in a cage. I can take it kind of I deal. I do it. Yeah, so it's really weird and stupid. Watch me watch me live in this cage. Um, yeah, and uh, oh, and the, the other major location here is a city called, it's hard to pronounce, but I think it's called uh, Ambermock. Ambermock. Yeah, and it is a city with like lava for streets, and it's got like kind of like these islands, and it's all surrounded by lava. It's most notable for its uh, diabolical, diabolical courts, uh, which serve as a neutral party for like uh, court disputes between like things from like okay things within Lair get solved very easily because there's a strict hierarchy. But if someone from Phlegethos and someone from Dis are having a serious problem and the hierarchy isn't straightforward, they would come to the diabolical courts here at Ambermock. It's your fucking standard. Yeah. 
TV, of course, fucking Judge Judy. Yes. So there it is. <laughs> so they're a neutral party. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> there it is. Um, okay. Let's talk about the most interesting thing about Phlegathos, and that's the Archduke situation. Because okay. there is an Archduchess. Okay. But her name is uh, Lady Fierna. She's really cool. And her father... It sounds like she's really hot. Uh, she is, she's like a she's like a pleasure suc- succubus demon. Oh, I would know. Oh, yeah, like, okay, you meant hot? Is it actually actually hot? Yeah, well, I imagine both. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, okay. uh, Lady Fierna is technically the Archduchess, but her father Belial is the actual power behind the throne. Belial and uh, from the, from uh, Diablo, right? Um, yeah. And I believe that's another like actual yeah, so term. The, like an actual. So, like, so they're like devil, the Archdukes yeah. of Flagathos now. They're both incredibly attractive physically, uh, humanoids, and they, they're both essentially like, they're not like quite succubi, but they're essentially like pleasure devils. Sure. And they have a really extremely questionable father, uh, partnership as father and daughter. It's not explicitly stated, but it's heavily alluded to. He's basically taught her everything she knows about being a ruler about being a sex demon or devil, about being manipulative. He's basically been grooming her for this. Uh-huh. He seems to actually care about her, which is unusual for devildom because um she okay, how do I how do I They're all vying for power. They're all so vying why for would power. he try to like prune someone? Now there is to... a selfish reason for this. Okay. In that it it removes him from responsibility. So if oh. she gets dethroned, he's safe. Yeah. So there is that there, but it does seem like he really is like he lets her have more power than I think he probably should because she's becoming more independent now. And they, as she's becoming more independent, their partnership is becoming tenuous at best. And she has different aspirations than he does. Like He's kind of about um, freeing his Archduke buddy in Stygia, who we'll get into from his predicament. Because they have an alliance. She's less about that. And she more has an alliance with a different archduchess. Because they have a sexual relationship. And the thing is that archduchess is the daughter of Asmodeus. And he's not really for Asmodeus. And we're getting political here. This is the weirdest layer. Yeah, this is, this is the weirdest <laughs> so layer. It gets weirder. Um, but yeah, so, so that's them. Uh, he's incredibly, he's supposed to be like fiercely intelligent. Okay. Um, incredibly political. Um, I don't know if you have any questions about, about Belial or his daughter, Lady Fierna. No. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Moving on. Let's move on to the fifth layer. I of- fear, I fear the answers I might get if I start asking the question, maybe off camera. Okay, sure. Um, so yeah, there that is. Um, oh yeah. Well, let, let's talk about, I think I, I missed, um, a major, oh Yeah. There was a major location I missed, and I want to go back to it. Fierna has her palace. She is the Archduchess. So she has a huge tower made of this crystalline stone that's wreathed in blue flame. Ooh, um, that's really cool. Yeah, it's, it's a really dope look. Um, and, of course, being the kind of devil she is, she has various pleasure domes oh, yeah. of debauchery. Great. Yeah. <laughs> this, so, is, yeah. <laughs> this is debauchery dome number one. Yeah. I feel like you'd be like, oh, shit. Oh, shit, I forgot. And you had to, like, flip our golf cart around. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah, back. I forgot. We got, we got to go look at oh, pleasure dude, domes. I forgot to show you. The pleasure domes. <laughs> All right. So uh how can I forget? <laughs> that ends our tour here in Phlegethos. Let's move on to the next layer. Yeah, sure. So the next layer of Bator is called uh either Stygia or Stygia or Stygia. 
One of those. Yes. <laughs> it's a mostly frozen ocean covered in glaciers and icebergs. Uh, black sky is constantly flashing with lightning. Um, the river stick. The river sticks flows here as well, even though like a lot of it's ocean because uh, it flows. Number one, it will flow across the ice, forming a great channel, mm. but it will flow directly over uh, seawater as well. It stays separate. Yeah, you have like oily. an ocean. I, I somehow I know exactly what you're talking yeah. about. You have like an ocean current going from like left to right, and the river sticks is just running straight. Exactly, like it. it's like oil yeah. running on top of water. Totally. Um, so it runs straight through here as well. That's really cool imagery, um, also. Yeah, it is. Uh, deep, cold, unfrozen seas churning in many places. Um, yeah, that's the general look of Stygia. Major locations. Tantlin is a city made of ice and built on a gigantic iceberg. Its top industry is paperwork for the rest of the hells. <laughs> a lot of documentation and bullshit runs through here. Wasn't Maman doing that? Uh, he was... So Maman is more keeping, gathering information and keeping it for oh, himself. Oh, like dealings and like, Using okay. it. I'm sure he sells information. He's like an information broker. He's human resources for uh, the Nine Hells. I guess so. Well, this is more like, I guess, the accounting department of the Nine Hells. <laughs> sure. Um, and then the, the, the second uh, major location is the Tome of Levistus. Levistus okay. is the Archduke. Of this layer, the tome of Levistus is actually being released by Wizards of the Coast, and uh, we're not tome tomb. Oh, the oh, tomb. Sorry, of never Levistus. mind. My joke, it, it was ruined. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. Okay, um, it's a drifting iceberg that actually has the Archduke himself imprisoned in it, and we're, we'll get into that in a minute. Because now let's talk about the Archduke. Okay, so Levistus is the Archduke of Stygia. He is a humanoid-looking devil that's trapped in a drifting iceberg. He was imprisoned there for eternity. We for eternity by Asmodeus for murdering Asmodeus's wife. It's actually a really Ooh. fucked up story. He tries to seduce and rape Asmodeus's wife. She says, fuck nah, I'm married to the king. So he kills her. So Asmodeus imprisons him for life and uh, robs him of his archdukedom. Uh, but later on, after the next archduke gets deposed again, he reinstates him but keeps him in the iceberg. So he's kind of like caught him under his thumb in a way okay like, you're in charge but you're so trapped you can't do anything to hurt me or my plans really okay so like this works better for me you're in like a point and click like kind of yeah scenario. this is the same iceberg that sank the titanic yeah so um he originally deposed him okay so i'm sure asmodeus deposed him just for the slight itself but asmodeus has had this machination going on of getting his daughter to an archdukedom position. And this is phase one of that was demoting Levistus because, but keeping him alive because it kept everyone distracted because it's like, why didn't he just kill him? Like, or, but also like a major player just got demoted. Right. Like, okay, it, it just, all this, all this upheaval happened. So it distracted people from some other stuff that he was doing, which we'll get into as we keep going through the layers. Okay. Um, in the position that Levistus is in now, he's dedicated himself to... He's actually dedicated himself to setting the Nine Hells into chaos. He doesn't give a fuck about anything else anymore. He just... He can psionically communicate with his uh, servants. And basically, he has all his spies and all his people working on destabilizing all the other layers. He wants to just send the whole system into chaos. Okay. How um, successful are Probably they not that? very. Um, but Bell from Phlegethos is trying to get his boy Levistus out of that iceberg. Oh. Because they have an alliance. Okay. And that's what I mean 
by Fierna and Bell kind of parting ways because Fierna has a relationship with the daughter of Asmodeus. Oh. Bell doesn't like Asmodeus or his daughter, and he likes Bell, who doesn't like them either. But now they're starting to part ways, so you're going to see a clash here in Phlegetho soon. I'll do my best to follow. Indeed. Any other questions about Stygia? No. All right, let's take uh, a minute while I get my other notes out uh, for the next layers. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. All right. Let's talk about the grossest and most fucked up layer. We ha- I guess we have to. I was going to ask if we have to, but like we're here yeah. to do it. <laughs> so this layer is called uh, Malbolge, I think is how you would pronounce it, or Malbolge. Malbolge. Uh, yeah. It's, um, yeah. So it is a, it's a layer that's super dependent on what edition and setting that you were talking about. But the oh, most okay. repeated uh, portrayal was that this layer has recently been transformed. The previous Archduke or Archduchess was a hag named Malagard. She was a night hag, the hag countess. The hag, the um, hag queen. Yeah. Okay. The previous Archduke before her, I don't remember who that was, but they got deposed as well. Um, Asmodeus. Say, hang on. When you say recently changed, what does that mean? What does that mean? Indeed. It, it, that's up to you as the as the dungeon master. What what? It's it like mean, this other thing with that that sunken city is like yeah. What it means is like okay, if you want to just lift this lore and use this lore as like your canon, then this is what's going on currently. Okay. So, so Malagard was the archduchess here, and she got appointed by Asmodeus, and it caused a huge hubbub because she's not a devil; she's a hag. Hag or fuck, hags are fae technically. Okay. She's incredibly powerful, and being lifted to archduke status made her even more powerful. Right. Um, but it was all an elaborate ruse. Um, he basically Asmodeus was setting up a chance, a, a, a vacant position for his daughter to take. Okay. But she wasn't ready. Well, it wasn't that she wasn't ready to take uh, the Archduke position quite yet. It's that their relationship wasn't where he wanted it because she's always been like really independent and rebellious against her father. I guess rebellious teenager. God, dad. Oh, yeah. Okay. I know you're the king of hell, but God. Oh, man, you don't understand me. <laughs> yeah. So um, he's he's had a real a hard time like reining her in, trying to get her into the family business. Sure. Um. So as a placeholder, he raised up this hag, knowing that she was very temporary. Okay. Um, and it kept all the archdukes distracted from what he was really doing, again, with the Levistas thing. At some point... Kansas City Shuffle. Yeah. At some point, he forms some... He strikes some sort of deal with Glacia. That's her name. Okay. Um, and... I, I doesn't doesn't matter what it is. They're on the same page now. It, it, I think uh, the books make it pretty clear that like she's not trying to take control of hell from him yet. Although I will say she's the most likely to inherit the nine hells if her Asmodeus were to fall besides Mephistopheles. But we're not talking about him yet. OK. Um. So when everything is right and he strikes this deal with his daughter and they're on the same page, they're on the same team now. Um, he basically causes Malagard to well he kills her but the way he kills her is really she horrific causes her to die yeah <laughs> she she the, the way the story goes is she's like out delegating stuff like touring her her um her lair sure and she like begins to choke and hack and cough and then she begins to like kind of like um what's the word expand like like a balloon she okay, begins to yeah. balloon and she grows like huge and grotesque and like it's not even like uh like that like, scene in Willy Wonka 
No. Violet, you're turning no, violent, Violet. No, not like that, because that is just like, she just kind of expanded in general, and like her torso, torso just expanded. Like, with so this, like, like changing every her form. part of her body starts to expand and like mutate and like explode. Uh, her, oh, like her head becomes particularly big. Like that scene in Cloverfield. She, ex- all her body parts explode and expand to such a degree that her entrails cover and now make up the entire layer of Malbolgia. Like her ribs become mountains, <laughs> oh, no. her entrails become caverns, oh. her her hair becomes forests, oh. uh, her skull forms the citadel, uh, where and where Glacia makes her her home. And this place is generally disgusting as fuck. It's well, just yeah. viscera and organ everywhere. This is trash forest from last episode, but for real. But for real. <laughs> and it supposedly after this explosion happens, uh Glacia comes floating in on like a golden um what do, what do they call it? Where like the servants carry like a king on a oh a shit palin, uh, uh, pa- uh, is it oh, palantar yeah. is that what it's called pala something pala, yeah palanquin yes yeah that yeah, is palanquin it. so she comes floating in on this flying palanquin with her like servants palanquin, carrying her. I think it uh, is that it yeah palanquin whatever one of those that thing it's made of gold and she's like luxuriously laying on it by the way she's like a beautiful looking like succubi looking mm-hmm. uh, devil okay and uh, she's like. I'm the new Archduchess now, like writ from Asmo. Sup, fools? Yeah, basically. And she takes over the place. Cool. So, yeah. Um, My new lair was the last guy. This place is disgusting. <laughs> and dying here, actually, the lair will absorb your organic material into itself. Mm. It's really gross. Delicious. Let's, let's talk about some major locations here Please. in Melbourne. Uh, Asia, the fortress is made of uh, Malagard's giant skull. Um, fun fact, it can shoot. Uh, giant fire lasers from its eye sockets. That's an ongoing theme. It's just like fire raining down upon this place. Well, I mean, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Welcome to hell. (laughs) But basically, um, Glacia can can aim fire cannons from its eyeballs, which (laughs) is fucking really dope. She's like up in the the nasal cavity on, yeah. like on like a console with handles, like firing Fire like the a, cannons. Uh, yeah. you know those uh those uh what's it called uh, like Galaga? Yeah, it's got like two triggers. Got, yeah, I know, like an arcade <laughs> shooter. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, there is an there are other locations. There there are la- huge lakes made of bile all okay. throughout this, uh, this this layer, and the bile is used to make various poisons and whatnot are sold and traded. Mm. Um, there's the Tower of Pain, which. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Which uh so when when Malagard exploded and died all over the layer, um her the bones from one of her hands formed like these huge like bony structures, like towers. Uh-huh. And um Glazia transformed the first finger into a tower called the Tower of Pain. <laughs> it's um, where they hold professional uh wrestling matches and you have to like win to to climb it. Yeah, it's a general torture tower is cool. what it is. And yeah. she's working on the other finger. She's gonna have like five towers of bone that'll be something one day maybe john cena is the wrestler at the top of the tower yeah any uh, any questions before we talk about glazia herself no which we've kind of already done so like i said glazia she's the daughter of asmodeus uh the most recent um archduke uh beautiful succubi looking woman rebellious to her father but they struck some sort of deal um she has a special relationship with the devils called the aaron yes Okay. Um, we talked about them. Yeah, in the that's, episode. that's ringing a bell. They they're not they're not succubi, but they're like very beautiful, statuesque, like warrior women. 
Um, they do use seduction as well, but like they're more known for the warlikeness. Sure. And so she's just got a whole bunch of, and they're powerful. They're like high level devils, and she's got a bunch of them in her lair. Uh, she is she's notably exceptionally cruel, arrogant, and cunning. And she's she's like a direct. She, she's her father's daughter. She's very okay. much like Asmodeus. Nice. Um, which is why I put her as the most likely to succeed because the other guy who's likely to succeed, he's got some issues, which we'll get into. Right. But, so it's not. So this is basically like a like a lower level Asmo clone. Kind of. Kind of. She's definitely her own person, but I, I attribute that more to her being young than anything, because I feel like the way she is now is. So you mean like immature? Yeah, she's a little bit more immature. Than, well, she's more immature than Asmodeus, and there are stories of Asmodeus when he's younger, and I feel like it's a direct reflection of the way Glacia is now. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, I would venture to say this isn't stated, but I would venture to say the rift that was between Glacia and Asmodeus probably had to do with her mom dying and being killed, and the way that was handled. Yeah, but that's huh. just, but that's just <laughs> my, that's just my homebrew take. But sure. anyways, let's move on. Uh, we're done with that layer, unless you have any questions. No, I'm also done with that layer. Uh, okay, seventh layer, uh, the second grossest layer. Uh, of Beator called Malodomini. Wait, which one is grosser? Or Malodomini. Which one is grosser? Than uh, I think Malbolge is grosser, but Malodomini is a close second. Okay. Or Domini. Malodomini. Gotcha. That sounds more hellish. Malodomini. Anyways, <laughs> it's, a, it's a layer of decay and rot. Um, okay, so this layer is a little weird because... It, okay. It's a layer... Yeah, of, we have decay and rot. Yeah, but this is a very specific kind of thing, so... This layer is covered in city ruins. The rivers are filled with sludge and pollution. The forests are all dying and being like um, just deforested at a crazy rate. Um, the the mines are all like being strip mined and there's pollution in the air. The idea of this layer is that industry has poisoned this land. Although that only makes sense to a certain extent because if it's a layer of hell, it should have been hellish in the first place. Yeah. But the way it's portrayed, it's as if this was a nice place that has now been ruined by industry. It's a chunk of the material plane that's just been ripped from the material plane. Now it's here and we gotta fuck it up. Yeah, basically. And then um that's basically Brian's homebrew, the way yeah and i like that i like that uh interpretation the archduke here he perpetuates this environment because he is constantly building and destroying cities uh within his lair and he will not rest until they are perfect and he will literally just he'll build a city it'll be like 99 perfect he'll see some one small imperfection tear it down we're starting over he's got like this weird <laughs> obsessive compulsive disorder sure the first thing he always builds is a casino uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> so because of that, they're they're constantly strip mining and, and uh, causing pollution, and all this other stuff. That's why the layer is the way it is. Okay. Um, so this is like uh, this is like Captain Planet would come here to like fuck shit <laughs> up. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So major locations here in Malodomini. Um, there is a city called Malagard, which is interesting because that's the same name as the hag. And I know I didn't get this wrong in my notes. I'm going to have to look this up. Correct me if I'm wrong, uh, commenters. But there's a city in um, Malodomini called Malagard and it has a palace called the Palace of Filth. This city is decrepit. It is falling apart. The citizens of are actually subject to like the supernatural sloth. Uh, where they're kind of giving up and hoping uh, on hope, and they're just kind of despairing. Oh, okay, um, like the the like seven sin kind of sloth, not like a yes. big sloth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like really slowly, like taking yeah. a sharp claw and like poking you with it. Okay, so it's hard for me. 
<laughs> I'm coming. <laughs> it's uh, you it's know really, it's coming. <laughs> it's really hard for me. Um, Sorry. No, it's fine. It's oh really hard God. for me to talk about the city and the slothfulness without going into the Archduke. So let's just go into the Archduke and then we'll come back to the locations. Okay. So the Archduke of Melody. big sloth. No. <laughs> the Archduke of Melodomini is, his name is Beelzebul and he is the Lord of Flies. He used to be one of Asmodeus's favorites. Okay. Um, until he attempted a coup to to take over. Oh, shit. But he was thwarted by Mephistopheles. We'll talk more about that when we get to the next layer. But in return for his betrayal, Asmodeus turned him into a giant slug monstrosity. And on top of it, turned his whole palace into like this building of excrement and filth. It's literally... Did we talk about this in Devil's episode as well? We might have talked about it a the little bit. A big right, slug? A big slug. We familiar. might have talked about it a teeny bit. Essentially, this this palace is literally made out of shit. I mean, <laughs> like literally made out of shit. And it is at Beefies. the center of this city. And it's constantly falling apart. Well, and yeah. He, as this giant slug monster, he's all slothful. And it's just a depressingly disgusting place. Yeah. Yes. Um, that being said, there's other locations in this layer that are nothing like this, and let's let's talk about them. The first, uh, let's talk about the Carnival Eternal, <laughs> okay? Uh, which is like this giant debaucherous city where devils are rewarded if like if you turn in X number of amount of souls, you get carnival you, time. You get a day in carnival land. <laughs> yeah, here, here's your wristband. <laughs> yeah, pretty Make much. Make sure you turn left at the palace and of shit. I know, not if you, right? I know if you turn in enough at once, like you get like. You get a sentry. Go. Go yeah. have fun. You get, uh, um, you get an extra ride on the roller coaster. Yeah, and that's just in the middle of this weird, fucked up place. Um, there. Okay, this one I found the most interesting. I think this is probably the most interesting to me in concept of any other location we're going to talk about. It's a city called Ophalion. And it is a city that is made up of fake designs of the mortal realm. So, the concept is this. Lemurs used to be mortals, but okay. they don't remember their lives and they no longer have those personalities. Right. They're essentially different people. They right. don't remember what it's like to be mortal. So in order to have better effect when it comes to going to the world of mortals and corrupting souls, they need to understand their prey. Mm -hmm. So devils come here to um, study. And what, what, what is done here is like they'll take like a kingdom from the mortal world and they'll make a living model of it here. Oh and shit. And the devils will like have to interact with it and like try and learn to blend in. And it's like a whole school learning how to infiltrate. So mortal here's, kind. here's where they're watching training videos. Exactly. <laughs> this is where that's done here in Ophalion. And I just thought <laughs> okay. that was fascinating. I was like, what the fuck? See, mortals don't like it when you steal their stuff. Yeah. So make sure that you keep your hands to yourself. <laughs> so yeah, that's that's pretty much all we have to for a Melodomini um, or Melodomini or whatever. There's what a it? lot of cool things going on here, except for that poop palace. Yeah, except for the poop Welcome palace. Welcome to my poop palace. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> don't, no need to go to the bathroom here. <laughs> we don't have bathrooms in the poop palace. Okay. It is the bathroom. Let's move on. Yeah, okay. Okay. <laughs> Next, let's talk about the eighth layer of Beator. It's okay. called Cania. Um, Canyon. No, Cania. Cania. Or your Cania, Cania, whatever. Cania. Cania. Can of something. Yeah. Anyways, it's an unimaginable cold wasteland that freezes living things to death within minutes. Giant glaciers, enormous mountains make up the landscape. Okay, so um, there's this. This is the second cold layer. Yeah, except for the first one was like a frozen ocean. This right. is just a frozen wasteland that's. It's supposedly so cold it makes uh, Stygia seem balmy by okay. comparison. It's so cold it feels hot. 
Ah, yeah, yeah. Like liquid nitrogen gold. There, there we go. Um, so the thing, okay, let's let's pause it for a moment because I should have said this at the beginning. A Beator, the creation myth behind it, there's two conflicting things. One, it said that Asmodeus chose this place. It was a place the gods made and then abandoned. Okay. And so it was basically empty. <laughs> like, damn, we fucked this up. How do we fuck this up so bad? Yeah. We have to go somewhere else and start over. The other, the other theory is that Asmodeus, not theory, but the other uh, creation mythos is that Asmodeus made the place himself. Now, according to all the evidence that I found in my research, it seems like it was already here because there's a lot of ruins of cities. Yeah, okay. Okay. That being said, this place was chosen by Mephistopheles because of all the ancient city ruins that lie beneath the ice. Okay, cool. So that's going to come into play in a little bit. Um, as a matter of fact, it's probably going to come into play in just like a few seconds. So um, one of the major locations here is the School of Hellfire. It's a tower made of green steel where the Archduke has wizards working 24-7 on this mysterious magic called Hellfire, okay. which he discovered from the ruins beneath the ice. Um, and he's running experiments on this stuff all day. This is Mephistopheles's like pyramid scheme to take over the night house <laughs> and we'll get into that in a minute so far i'm loving it yeah that's really cool also there's a capital called mephistar which is a citadel of Mep mephistopheles it's completely made of ice there's really nothing else you need to know it um i think it guards the portal to nessus the next um it's like the nasty version of the fortress of solitude superman sure. yeah so let's talk about mephistopheles the archduke of Canada. he's called also called the lord of no mercy he is nice. um He's like a really, he looks like a really big, handsome humanoid, but also monstrous, has like huge devil wings and horns and cloven hooves and all okay. that jazz. Um, he is second in power only to Asmodeus himself. Mm -hmm. um, he's one of the three of the Arshuks that are like OG pre nine hells. It's Asmo, him, and Despater. Yeah. Um, he is incredibly cunning, incredibly charming. He's erudite, like intelligent. Um, he's polite. Um, very much like Asmodeus, but he has a he has another problem though. He has um, serious anger problems and okay. difficulty containing them. Like he will be this cunning, charming, erudite individual, and then fly into a crazy rage where he snap. starts destroying stuff and tearing at his own skin. Oh. It's just like he's crazy. He's crazy. crazy. And um, yeah, <laughs> but but essentially, besides the anger problems, he's like a he's like a diet Asmodeus. He's like he's Asmodeus light. <laughs> he's like just light. shy of being sugar free Asmo. Yeah, pretty much. Okay, cool. Um, and his relationship with Asmodeus is really interesting. It's like a Vegeta Goku dynamic. Okay, because you're speaking my language. Right, I know I am. <laughs> Mephistopheles is very open that he is his whole plan is to overthrow Asmodeus and take over. Very open about it. Doesn't give a fuck. Asmodeus knows this. At the same time, he's relatively loyal to Asmodeus. Like, he'll do what he says, no problem. He respects Asmodeus, like, by a huge amount. He was the reason Beelzebub's, uh, Beelzebub's um, rebellion was stopped. Okay. Because Mephistopheles was like, no, you're not going to do this. Like, that's my job. That's yeah. my rebellion. I'm going to stop you now. Kind of Wait deal. your turn, like, No plebe. one gets to kill you, Kakarot, but me. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. That's basically what's happening Cool. Here. Um, 
So, uh, so yeah, that's kind of like the weird dynamic. And again, he's the second most powerful. That's why I put him so high on the um, succession level. But it's because of his madness that I put him below Glazia. Because right. Glazia has all the Asmodeus qualities without the madness. <laughs> without that, that one little But let's little talk thing. about his crazy hellfire pyramid scheme. Yeah, that, let's do. That's that the just, one I'm interested that about. That just might work. Sell me some life insurance. Let's go. So this so this hellfire scheme... like it. it it's not very clear what the hellfire is. I, I think it's just really powerful fire magic that's easy to learn. Um, and the way he's using this hellfire is he's offering it to his cult members in the mortal realm okay. and enticing more members to join his cult in the mortal realm through like, you'll get this hellfire power. That's really powerful. And you don't got to be like a wizard and, and study it forever. You just get it. And he's just trying, he's trying to grow his cult to be massive. Nice. But they've got some decent power because they're learning powerful, easy to use, powerful magics. Yeah. Be, okay. Be, uh, he also he guards the Hellfire secret, like you know, very very close to him. Um, so because he's dedicating all this infrastructure and time and effort to growing of his cult, he's not using that time to gather souls the way he should. There's a quota you have to meet to to uh, stay an archduke. Yeah, to to dedicate souls to the blood war and to Asmo yeah. and all that stuff. And he's definitely not going to the carnival. He's definitely not going to the carnival. Okay. So what he's been doing is he's been borrowing souls from Despater and from Mammon. Oh. And so he's in their debt. Now, here's how it might work out. If he manages to be successful in growing his cult the way he wants, when those motherfuckers start dying, he's going to start collecting souls and dividends. I see. So he's like borrowing loans. He's taking loans he's out. taking loans. Investing. Yeah. And if it works out for him, he'll end up with a massive army. And that's probably step one in his takeover. <laughs> okay. Step one. Cut a hole in the But box. he also is trying to keep his plans completely secret. Like, Despater and Mammon like having him in their debt. They don't actually know what he's doing. Right. But if they find out, they're going to start trying to find ways to sabotage him for multiple reasons. Number one, they don't want him to have an army. Mm-hmm. Um, of those two, Mammon is actually a really big Asmo fan, so that guy wouldn't like that idea. Right. And then on top of it, like, having Mephistopheles in your debt is great. Plus, if he's deep enough in debt, and can't meet his soul quota, he can get deposed, and then you could become the new Archduke of Cania. Right. So, so, like, putting him in this position, like, if you wanted to one day, huge, you could just come to collect, right? right? This is a huge gamble that right. Mephistopheles is taking. But, yeah. So, that's Mephistopheles. That's um, the, the eighth layer of uh, Beator Canyon. And... We're not going to talk about the ninth layer here today because this oh, episode... Oh, <laughs> just kidding. I knew. Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> folks. We're not going to talk about Nessus, and here's why. Number one, this episode is too long. Yeah. We're, Number we're two... Go, we're been going for a minute. Mm-hmm. Number two, Asmodeus will be getting his own episode. I just figured if we're going to talk about Asmodeus in his own episode, we're going to talk all about Nessus and how that works, too. Yeah. And also, like, if I were to follow the same format about tackling Nessus, it means I would be talking about Asmodeus, and there's so much to talk about. That I rather just it's put it all in the one episode. Yeah, I think it's. I think it so. definitely is better as its own episode. Yeah. So sorry, guys, for uh, we should have told you at the beginning. This is technically entrapment. But <laughs> <laughs> sorry, guys, but you got the first eight layers and all the archdukes and all that stuff. Yeah, and I imagine we'll be revisiting each archduke because there is more to them than that. We'll probably um, what we'll probably do, and this isn't a promise because I'm not sure. Not for sure yet, but we'll probably do like a DDs and Demigons episode where we take two archdukes and put them together in a single episode. 
Okay. And do one, do a short rest, do the other. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I like that. I yeah. like that. Yeah, I think we'll do something like that in the future. Okay. But with that being said, unless we have any more questions, I think we can call it a game. No, I think uh, question time is done. All Let's right. call it a game. Let's call it a game. We'll talk to you guys later. Bye. You hold up nine fingers. That's yeah. incredible. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny as fuck. Okay. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.